You're listening to Bible Truth Feed, a podcast by Christadelphianvideo.org for Christadelphians and all those seeking the truth about the Bible message. Join us now as we present our latest episode. Okay, so this is one of Scripture's great and exciting chapters because actually what we see is the restoration of israel the whole nation of israel and they're brought back into covenant with god and they're used um to to teach the nations and and to bring about god's judgments on those nations that are not prepared to uh have respect for the lord jesus christ so let's see if we can tease this out together And we kick off, don't we, in verse one, where it says, ask if the Lord reign in the time of the latter rain. So so we ask the question, what's this idea of then the rain that is coming? And we see at the end of the verse that that, that, that give them showers of rain to everyone, grass in the field. And uh, I think if I ask Beck, I don't think she'll mind me asking this one. But what does the what does rain symbolize um, in Scripture? Doctrine. Excellent. Any ideas where? No, no. Okay. So good reference right in. Beck's spot on. She says doctrine. And it's Deuteronomy 32 that she's got that from. So just turn to Deuteronomy 32 and make a note of Deuteronomy 32, the first two verses, where when we read in the the the, the, the song of Moses, we read, give ear, verse one of Deuteronomy 32, verse one. Give ear, O ye heavens, and I will speak. Hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. My doctrine shall drop as the rain. My speech shall distill as the dew and small rain upon the tender herb or the tender grass as the showers upon the grass. Because I'll publish the name of Yahweh, ascribe greatness to our God. So, so what you see that the symbol of the rain ask ye of the lord rain in the time of the latter rain so so god's word his doctrine is going to go out now give, give me a reference not to do with the rain but god's word going out uh, we, we've thought about it already actually in our studies um we've thought about particularly in zechariah chapter eight <clears throat> where we saw the kingdom being established in Jerusalem and the word of God going out. So passages like Micah 4, like Isaiah 2, we won't turn there now. We haven't got time this evening, but they're the passages where we see the word of God going out from Jerusalem. And this is the same picture. All right. So so the rain is coming down, the doctrine of God's word. And, and we notice that it's the time of the latter rain. Now, uh, I think there are two good references for the latter rain, two that I've got in my margin. Um, and, and I say two, I'm sure that many of you could find more, but here's two that are helpful. Joel chapter two. So just turn to Joel 2. I'm turning back there now. It's not easy as it to flick through the minor prophets, but we can just about get there and uh, find it. So, so Joel chapter 2 and verse uh, 23, we read, Be glad then, you children of Zion. Rejoice in the Lord your God. He's given you the former rain moderately. He'll cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain, and the latter rain. In the first month. Now, the, the the first month is the is in spring, 
And so the latter rain is literally the rain that, that, that comes uh, at springtime to bring about the, uh, the, 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 the new growth, new birth. All right. So, so that's what the latter rain is giving. And another helpful reference is Hosea 6. So we're, we're in Joel. You only got to go back one book. In Hosea chapter 6 and verse 1, we read, Come and let us return to the Lord, He tore, for he's torn and he will heal us. He's smitten, he will bind us up. After two days will he revive us. On the third day he will raise us up and we shall live in his sight. Then shall we know if we follow on to know the Lord. His going forth is prepared as the morning. He shall come unto us as the rain, as the latter and former rain unto the earth. All right, so that's a lovely reference, isn't it? In Hosea chapter six i just wonder um where we're there and i perhaps haven't given this as much thought as i ought to but on reflecting on this this week i found myself thinking in verse two after two days will he revive us and the third day he'll raise us up well clearly there's a messianic principle there isn't there of the lord jesus christ being raised on the third day but if i said to you beck that one day with the lord is as a thousand years what would two days be two thousand years so the 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 jews were removed weren't they from the land of israel in the first century and for the best part of two thousand years they were scattered weren't they so for two days will he revive us and on the third day he'll raise us up I just wonder there that that the, the third day is the millennial age when we see at the beginning of the millennial age the, the Jews being raised up. So I, I haven't given that as much thought as I ought to before saying it in a class, but um, but I'd be interested in any of your thoughts um, if uh, anyone has any reflections on that. So come back to Zechariah chapter 10. We see the, the the rain coming down at the time of the latter rain, the, these blessings coming upon the, the, the ground, the, the, the doctrine of God's word uh, going out. Uh, and we see the Lord shall make bright clouds. So the, 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 the clouds here are why the rain is coming. Now, j- just look in your margin. If you've got an authorised version, what have you got back in the margin next to bright clouds? And you won't be surprised as soon as you see it. Lightning. Lightnings, yeah, bright clouds, lightnings. And in fact, that Hebrew word is only used on three occasions. The other two are in Job, and they both are translated as lightning. All right. So 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 we might suggest that, that it's almost a better translation. In fact, the revised version says the Lord that makes lightnings. Uh, so, so there's this picture, isn't there, of of the the lightnings, the bright clouds, and the rain coming, the the doctrine of God's word coming. Now, a helpful reference for the the lightnings here, I think, is in Matthew 24. So, just come to Matthew 24. I'll give you the verse when we get there. And verse 27. Now. Matthew 24, verse 27 here, this in the first instance is talking of the events of AD 70, when the Lord Jesus Christ came to to bring judgment upon Jerusalem and the the, the people of uh, Jerusalem and Judea through the Roman army. But just look how 
the army is described, which of course then is a latter day application, or, or it will be a latter day application when the Lord Jesus Christ returns. So verse 27, for as the lightning comes out of the east and shines the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. All right, so that's a good reference to have, I think, next to Zechariah 10 and verse 1. So the, the, this picture that's being given to us is of the of the rain coming down. And we're going to see very clearly this is about the rain coming onto the Jewish people, onto the to, to the to the Jews at the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now let, let's pick up a couple of references for that. And I'd like you to keep a marker. This is obviously our base chapter, but I want you to come to Ezekiel 34. So some of you will have read this um, a couple of days ago in your daily readings. And in Ezekiel 34, you read of the blessings that will be upon Israel. And the language we see is, is really, really important. So Ezekiel 34, I want us to go in at verse 12. As a shepherd seeks out his flock, and I should make the point as we're reading this, you're going to see lots of references to Ezekiel 34 in Zechariah 10. So it's good to make a note of this. So Ezekiel 34, verse 12, as a shepherd seeks out his flock in the day that he's among his sheep that are scattered, so will I seek out my sheep and will deliver them out of all places where they've been scattered in the cloudy and dark day. And I'll bring them out from the people and gather them from the countries, will bring them into their own land and feed them on the mountains of Israel by the rivers and all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them in a good pasture and upon the high mountains of Israel shall their fold be. There shall they lie in a good fold in a fat pasture. They shall feed upon the mountains of Israel. I will feed my flock. I'll cause them to lie down, saith the Lord God. I will seek that which was lost and bring away that which was driven away. I'll bind up that which was broken. I'll strengthen that which was that 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 which was sick. I'll destroy the fat and the strong. I'll feed them with my judgment. And, and so, how is this? How is the grass on on the high mountains? How is it that you've got pasture here on the high mountains for for Israel to be gathered again and to be fed? Well, verse twenty six. I'll bring them and the places round about my hill. I'll make them rather and the places round about my hill a blessing. I'll cause the shower to come down in his season. There shall be showers of blessings. So there's your key verse next to Zechariah 10 and verse 1. The showers of rain coming down. These are showers of blessings. It's the word of God coming down and uh, having an effect on the jewish people they they've they've recognized the lord jesus christ and who he is and the blessings that come with that are being given to them and so at the end of ezekiel 34 we read and you are my flock the flock of my pasture are men and i am your god saith the lord god so no doubt about it that's what the uh that's what the chapter is about. It's about the regathering of Israel. Okay, so um, let's go to verse 2 of Zechariah 10, where we read, For the idols have spoken vanity. 
And the diviners have seen a lie and have told false dreams. They covered in vain. So, so what's happened is, is that ancient Israel have listened for too long, and, and even modern Israel, to uh, the, the idols, the, the diviners, the, the, the people that have told false dreams, that, that comfort in vain, that, that they've been too focused on the idols of men's imaginations and everything that that represents in scripture. The, the, the word idols there, again, if you look in the margin, what have you got in the margin? Teraphims. And the teraphims were, um, were, if you like, you know, idols, that sort of small idols, as it were, that um, people would keep in their properties. And we're told that historically, um, these could also be used as title deeds to a property. So, so if you had possession of the teraphim in your house, on your mantelpiece, as it were, then it implied that you were the leader of the family. Um, can you think of someone in, um, in the book of Genesis who, Rachel, yeah. So um, in my margin, actually, um, in, the, in the margin I've been got in my Bible, it says Genesis 31, verse 19. You remember that, that Rachel wanted to, the teraphim in her house. And, and, and apparently that, um, yeah, that, 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 that was not simply a case of wanting the gods, as it were, but those, those teraphim spoke of the idea that, that you should be the person that was... Um, uh, that had the title deeds, the family inheritance, if you like, uh, to, to, to the house. And so in, in Israel's case, where they were sort of focusing on um, the, the, the teraphim, what they're realizing is it's just vanity. The divine has seen a lie. You, you, you've got no right to this. Although you're the firstborn son, as it were, and Israel is, aren't, they are the firstborn amongst the nations. Naturally speaking, you know, they, they, as it were, they think they've got the teraphim and therefore the land is theirs. But actually, it's a lie. And all the tribulation that that people have been through has taught them it's a lie. And the tribulation they will go through is going to teach them it's a lie. The diviners have seen a lie. They've told false dreams. They comfort in vain. Wherefore, they go their way as a flock and were troubled because there was no shepherd. And so Israel have needed to have a shepherd. And so who ultimately is the shepherd that's going to be sent? the lord jesus christ remember that in isaiah we read in isaiah it says that there was no man so who was the man that was sent the lord jesus christ here it says there was no shepherd and the shepherd that was sent so so we might put in our margins there john chapter 10 which is where we read about the lord jesus christ as the good shepherd and what we now see here in this next verse, and we'll, we'll see it next week, God willing, particularly in chapter 11, that God is furious with the shepherds of Israel. Now, the shepherds are the leaders, are, you know, that the, the flock are the ordinary people, as it were, and the shepherds are the leaders. So in the time of the Lord Jesus Christ, who were the shepherds? Who were the leaders of the nation in the time of the Lord Jesus Christ? Mm -hmm. the, the, the priests? 
the, 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 the scribes, the Pharisees, yeah? They, they were the shepherds, weren't they? We'll, we'll come across those in chapter 11. Um, in the time of uh, Zechariah, and, 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 you know, previously that Zechariah, although he's prophesying in the future, he's, he's talking back, isn't he, about their history. Um, you're talking about the kings, people like King Zedekiah should have been a shepherd. And so what God had to do to bring the people back to the land, he had to raise up a shepherd. Who was the shepherd that God rose up? Not from Israel in the first instance. The shepherd he rose up for his people was from Persia. It was Cyrus. Think of chapters like Isaiah 44, where we read of Cyrus, the shepherd that God raised up for that purpose to bring the people back to the land. Well, ultimately, he's just a tiny type of the good shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ, who's going to bring the people back to the land. So verse three, my anger was kindled against the shepherds. Uh, now, let, let's pick up some references for this, that, that God's anger is kindled against the shepherds. And you know where we want to go back to, Ezekiel 34. Now, just perhaps before you go, just look in your margin, just scan down your margin. In my margin, I've got one, two, three, four references that the, that the margins picked up to Ezekiel 34. I'm not going to go through those systematically, but just notice that Ezekiel 34 is a key chapter in tying into Zechariah 10. And when you come back to Ezekiel 34, apologies, I should have asked you to keep a, a finger here. What you see is that this prophecy is against, verse 2, the shepherds, the shepherds of Israel. Say to them, thus saith the Lord God to the shepherds, woe to the shepherds of Israel. You feed yourselves, you don't do as shepherds should do and feed the flock. So what do they do? You eat the fat and you clothe you with wool. You kill them that are fed, but you feed not the flock. The disease, if you're not strengthened, neither have you healed that which is sick. Neither have you bound up that which was broken. Neither have you brought again that which was driven away. Neither have you sought that which was lost. Remember, that's the classic example, isn't it? The good shepherd. What does the shepherd do? Luke 15, the shepherd goes and finds the lost sheep. Yeah, um, uh, you, you haven't bound that which was broken. Think of uh, a story that the Lord Jesus Christ, in, Christ told in Luke 10, the Good Samaritan. What did the Good Samaritan do? Bound up. Now, why is that important? Because who didn't do the binding up? The Levite and the priest. And they are the the leaders the shepherds yeah yeah excellent yeah so so because look verse five they were scattered because there is no shepherd and they became meat the beasts of the field they were scattered my sheep wandered through all the mountains on every high hill yea my sheep were scattered upon all the face of the earth and none did search or seek after them therefore you shepherds hear the word of the lord and so Ezekiel 34 is an amazing prophecy telling us about the scattering of the Jewish people because there was no shepherd. And so God, back in Zechariah 10, is furious with the shepherds. And he says, I will punish the goats. Now, that's interesting, isn't it? Because, you know, you know, the shepherd looks after, you know, which two types of animal principally? The sheep and the goats. Now, I don't know if you've got a marker still in Ezekiel 34. But in verse 17 of Ezekiel 34, we read about God's judgment on the flock. 
And it says in verse 17, as for you, my flock, thus saith the Lord God, behold, I judge between cattle and cattle. Now, the look at your margin. What does it say for cattle and cattle? I judge between cattle and cattle. Small cattle of lambs and kids. So lambs and kids. Now, kids is kids are goats. goats. Yeah, excuse my grammar. Kids are goats and lambs are sheep. So I judge between the cattle and cattle. So the idea is this judgment between the sheep and the goats, between the rams and the he goats. Do you see? Mm-hmm. Now, where do we read of that? Or, or, or not necessarily where? Um, but can, can you? What, where do you think my mind's going? What 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 am I thinking of? The judgment, the, the judgment of the sheep and the goats. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you where we read of it is Matthew twenty five. So Matthew twenty five, we read in verse thirty one. When the Son of Man shall come in His glory and all the holy angels with Him, then shall He sit upon the throne of His glory, and before Him shall be gathered all nations. I think that means people from all nations, and He'll separate them one from another as a shepherd divides the sheep from the goats and he'll set the sheep on the right hand but the goats on the left then shall the king say to them on his right hand come ye blessed of my father for for you're going to inherit the kingdom so so the the sheep the lambs well they get to inherit the kingdom but verse 41 to those on the left hand the goats he says depart from me ye cursed into everlasting fire and so that's symbolic language but the reality is that they will not be able to share in the blessings of the kingdom age so we bring that back to Zechariah 10 and in verse 3 my anger is kindled against the shepherd shepherds i will punish the goats so do you see that the shepherds in the end become as it were the goats and they are on the left hand that they, they, they don't share in the blessings of the kingdom age because they've been so poor as shepherds in looking after the flock okay let's keep reading uh, for the for the lord of hosts hath visited his flock the house of judah and shall make them as his goodly horse in the battle so despite the failing of the shepherds excuse me i have a sip of tea Despite the failing of the shepherds, of the of the natural leaders of Israel, Yahweh of armies, the Lord of hosts, has visited his flock. So he now is to be the deliverer, the shepherd, and has visited the flock, the house of Judah. Now, this is important. That where does he visit first? The house of Judah. And We'll come to that, to, to this in a bit more detail in verse six, where we read again of the house of Judah. But what are we referring to, Bet, when we read of the house of Judah? Who, which, which type of Jews are these? I'll give you a clue. In the land or outside of the land? Yeah. In the land. The house of Judah. Rem- remember in Zechariah chapter 12, let's just make a note, Zechariah 12 and verse 7. The Lord shall save the tents of Judah first. All right. So such an important point. 
Zechariah 12 and verse 4. In that day, saith the Lord, I'll smite every horse with astonishment and his rider with madness. I will open my eyes upon the house of Judah and will smite every horse the people with blindness. All right. So the house of Judah are the tents of Judah. These are the people in the land. So the Lord of hosts has visited his flock. So, so the flock that are those who've already been brought back. So you think it's only since 1948 that the state of Israel was declared. In 1967, they had the mountains, the West Bank as well. And when the Lord Jesus Christ comes back, first of all, Yahweh of armies, the Lord of hosts, the saints with him, are going to go to the flock of the house of Judah. When you go and save that little flock that is struggling, because they've been surrounded by the Assyrian, who, who we call, Ezekiel 38, Gog of the land of Magog, all right? And has made them now, so what's God going to do for those of Judah? He's going to make them as his goodly horse in the battle. Now, last week, when we were looking at Zechariah 9, who was it? that was riding a rather magnificent horse, Alexander the Great. So, so for the Jews, don't forget Zechariah is prophesying hundreds of years before Alexander the Great. And many of them would have seen in Alexander someone who they thought could have been their saviour. And they see his stunning horse, Bucephalus, and they see in him the, the person that perhaps they can hang their hopes and dreams. Is this the savior? I'm going to make you, says God. You're going to be the goodly horse. You're going to be my goodly horse in the battle. And so the contrast is back to Alexander the Great and everything he stood for, just as we contrasted it with the Lord Jesus Christ in Zechariah 9 and verse 9, where he was riding in the first instance on the lowly donkey, on the ass, the colt, the foal of an ass, because uh, his he had to go first to be that humble, lowly king that would lay down his life for the people before he'll return and when he returns of course he's going to be this um he's going to ride on a horse so so a good chapter and of course this is symbolic language but revelation 19 uh where we see verse 19 i saw the beasts and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and that horse uh, we, we read in verse 11 is the white horse and the rider is the one who's called faithful and true and in righteousness he doth judge and make war and the picture is of the Lord Jesus Christ and the saints and the Jews in Judah they're not immortal but they are going to fight for the Lord Jesus Christ the 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 picture here is of this this Jewish age that's going to be established from Jerusalem, through Israel, through the Middle East, and eventually to fill the whole world. But this Jewish age will be with Jews who realize that the Lord Jesus Christ is the king, and they are fighting for uh, 
the gospel message as they're trying to push it out into the world. So out of him, verse 4 of Zechariah 10, out of him, so who? That is Judah. Out of Judah came forth the corner. The revised version says, came forth the cornerstone. So who is the cornerstone that came out of Judah? The Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, I'll give you a reference. Psalm 118, verse 22. You, you, you could go to, to, to many references, um, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament to prove that. But we haven't got time. Psalm 118, 22. So out of him came forth the cornerstone. Out of him, the nail. Anything for that one? Again, you could go to more than one. Let me give you one then. Isaiah 22. Isaiah 22, and we read um, in the first instance, it's of Eliakim, but it's pointing forward to the Lord Jesus Christ, where we read, the key of the house of David will I lay upon his shoulder. He shall open and none shall shut. He shall shut and none shall open. Verse 23 of Isaiah 22, I will fasten him as a nail in a sure place. He shall be for a glorious throne to his father's house they shall hang on him all the glory of his father's house the offspring and the issue all vessels of small quantity from the vessels of cups to the vessels of flagons in that day saith the lord of hosts shall the nail that's fastened in the sure place uh, be removed so 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 ultimately the lord jesus christ then becomes the nail in the sure place and you think of everything that that symbolically represents in his crucifixion so so from him the cornerstone him the nail out of him the battle bow so the, the lord jesus christ think of chapters like revelation 19 he goes in to battle out of him the battle bow now who's going to be part of the battle bow just go back to chapter 9 Verse 13, the Jews, I've bent Judah for me and filled the bow with Ephraim. So, so Judah, the whole of the nation of Judah becomes the battle bow and, and, and Ephraim becomes the arrows. They, they, they fill the bow. So the Lord Jesus Christ in the singular sense is the battle bow. He is the cornerstone. He is the nail. But now Judah, the whole nation of israel the, the judah that are in the land they become the cornerstone the nail and the battle bone they they become everything that the kingdom is going to as it were hang on and out of him every oppressor together so uh, the 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 revised version again um the the margin for the revised version says ruler so, and so, so the idea is out of every ruler will come uh, out. And so you've got here this picture of the, the, the Jews who are going to be sown among the people to be rulers. Obviously, in the first place, it's the Lord Jesus Christ in the singular sense. He is the ruler, but out of him, every ruler. And so then you come to the saints, those who are with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so um, uh, a, a good picture or a good reference might be Revelation chapter five. Let me give you a, a verse in Revelation five, where we see the saints ruling with the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, 
uh, and has made unto us our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. We, we, we also become part of the rulership of the Lord Jesus Christ. But out of Judah will come. And so the Jews will be will be uh, actually re-sown across the world to be rulers in the kingdom age. Verse five of chapter 10, they shall be as mighty men. So who are we talking about now? Verse the end of verse three, the house of Judah. They shall. And it's important you note that, that this is, first of all, Judah. They shall be as mighty men which tread down their enemies in the mire of the streets. So so, so, good reference of the mighty men is Zechariah 14 and verse 14. Judah also shall fight at Jerusalem, and the wealth of all the heathen round about shall be gathered together, gold and silver and apparel in great abundance. But Judah is going to fight. It's so important that that the, the mortal population of the Jews are going to quickly get the message of the Lord Jesus Christ. They're going to quickly want to work with the saints. And uh, as mortals, they're going to join the fight. They, they, they shall be as mighty men because they're going to be able to tread down their enemies in the mire of the streets in the battle. So the, the mire of the streets, the idea of the dust of the streets. They shall fight because the Lord is with them and the riders on horses shall be confounded. I'm going to make you the goodly horse, says God to Judah. And the riders on horses, well, who might be the rider on the horse that they thought of in the first place? Alexander the Great. But the riders on horses, this is all, this is not just Alexander the Great. This is all of the nations that come against them. So this is the Gogan Confederacy of Ezekiel 38. The riders on horses shall be confounded. Now, uh, good reference there, Micah 7 and verse 16. So just, just turn to that one. It's a good one. Micah 7 and verse 16, we read, The nations shall see and be confounded at all their might. They shall lay their hands upon their mouth. Their ears shall be deaf. They shall lick the dust. They've gone back to the mire of the streets. Okay, they shall lick the dust. Now, just while you're in Micah 7, just cast your eye all the way back to verse 10 and see if we can pick up a bit more language here that is of interest to us. Then she that is mine enemy, so Micah 7, verse 10, then she that is mine enemy shall see it, and shame shall cover her, which saith unto me, Where is the Lord thy God? Mine eyes shall behold her. Now shall she be trodden down as the, here's our phrase, mire of the streets. Now keep reading. In that day thy walls are to be built. In that day shall the decree be far removed. So what's going to happen when people come back to Jerusalem, they're going to start to build the walls. Now, keep reading. In that day also shall he come unto thee from where? Micah 7 and verse 12. He, he shall come unto thee from Assyria and from the fortified cities and from the fortress even to the river. Now, the where it says, and from the fortified cities, the revised version says, and the cities of Egypt. 
Okay, so they're coming from which two places? Egypt, Assyria. Egypt and Assyria, from sea to sea and from mountain to mountain. Notwithstanding, the land shall be desolate because of them that dwell therein for the fruit of their doings. So, so there's going to be this, this, this gathering of the people. So verse 14 of Micah 7, feed thy people with thy rod. The flock of thine heritage, which dwell solitarily in the, in the wood, in the midst of Carmel, let them feed in Bashan and Gilead as in the days of old. So there's going to be a feeding in Bashan and Gilead. Okay, so I want you to remember that. According to the days of thy coming out of the land of Egypt, will I show unto him marvellous things. So how many days were they when they came out of Egypt? Or how many, how many years? A year for a day? How many how, how long were they when they left Egypt before they came into the promised land? You know, they left Egypt. How long? They had to wait for a whole generation to die out. 40 years. So we think that this gives us a time period of when the Jews come back, start to come back to the land before the kingdom, as it were, begins. The millennium period begins. There's a 40-year period, perhaps, that we see in verse 15, according to the days of thy coming out of the land of Egypt. 40 years. I'll show unto him marvellous things. And then, you know, we've seen the nations then being confounded. So uh, we'll pick up on a couple of those things shortly. Perhaps just keep a marker in Micah 7, but come back to Zechariah chapter 10, where we see at the end of verse 5, the rides on horses shall be confounded. So this is, we've seen, we're talking about Judah in the first instance. Now, the people of Judah, as it were, they're the people that have been brought back since 1948, that, that steady increase of Jews in the land. You think Brother Thomas talking about a primary restoration of Israel before the coming of the Messiah, before the uh, before the Lord Jesus Christ would return. The pre-adventure, you remember the Lord, the, 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 uh, Brother Thomas saying, the pre-adventure, before the Lord Jesus Christ comes back, colonization of Palestine will be on purely political principles as the Jewish colonists emigrate thither as, and he, and he talks, doesn't he, about them uh, coming back to the land. So those are the people of Judah. Now, a huge amount of them will die when the Gogi Confederacy comes through the land, tragically. And they won't see the blessings attached to the showers of rain coming onto the earth. But those who are still in the city of Jerusalem, when the Gogin host surrounds it, when half the city falls, we'll get to in Zechariah 14. Those who are left, they are Judah, that are going to become the battle bow, that will tread down their enemies in the streets. They are the ones who the rides on horses, the Gogin Confederacy will be confounded by. And now verse 6, and I will strengthen the house of Judah. Well, we've seen that. And I will save the house of Joseph. And I will bring them again to place them. For I have mercy on them. And they shall be as though I had not cast them off. For I am the Lord their God and will hear them. Now, these people, the house of Joseph, who are we talking about now? The Jews outside the land. And they're referred to as Israel because they are the northern kingdom of Israel. 
So you think Israel splitting, you have Judah in the south, Israel in the north. So the northern kingdom of Israel, they're referred to as Joseph. And they're also referred to in verse seven as Ephraim. Ephraim. So if you're reading of Israel or of Joseph or of Ephraim, we're talking about that group who were scattered by who was before the Babylonians that scattered them, the Assyrians. And if you look up, if you um, just look in, just type into Google, when were the uh, the when the Assyrians scattered the northern king of Israel? They took them into captivity. Did they come back? And the answer is no. The northern king of Israel never came back. When the Assyrians took them into captivity, that was it. They were scattered all over. They never, ever came back. In the south, the kingdom of Judah, the whole of Zechariah, is reflecting on the fact that they came back. After 70 years, they were able, the exiles were able to return. And that's who Zechariah is speaking to. And so they, they, they're being given through the nation coming back from Babylon, the promise that God can bring back. And he's saying to them, listen, not only am I eventually going to bring Judah back, which he did after the Babylonian um, uh, invasion and after they were taken off into exile. But of course, later on, they were scattered again through the Romans for 2000 years. But after that, they've come back. But in type, they are just Judah. And those scattered all over the world in type are Joseph or Ephraim or Israel. So I'll bring them again. So what this chapter is now going to show us is that God is not only going to use the Jews in the land as his battle bow, as his mighty men. He's going to use, he's going to bring back those from outside the land. Now, how is he going to bring them back? Well, verse eight, I'll hiss for them and gather them. Now, we know that Tarshish, that Britain has a key role to play. Uh, chapters like Isaiah 60 come into play. You know where I'm going. Most of you do. I feel like um, I, I live in Isaiah 60 at the moment. But Isaiah 60, verse nine. Surely the isles shall wait for me, the ships of Tarshish first, to bring thy sons from far their silver and their gold with them. Verse 10 of Isaiah 60, the sons of strangers shall build up thy walls. Their kings will minister to thee. So, so not only Jews are going to come back, but actually many Gentiles who want to join with the Jews come back to Zechariah. Do you remember we looked at this in the end of chapter 8? Verse 23, in those days it shall come to pass that ten men shall take hold out of all languages of the nations, even take hold of the skirt of him that's a Jew, saying, we want to go with you. We've heard that God is with you. And they're going to go. But what are they going to do when they go back to the land? They're going to build. They're going to get building. That's what we saw in Micah chapter 7. I, I, if you still got a marker there, I said to you, didn't I? Keep a marker in Micah 7, verse 11. In the day that thy walls are to be built. That's what's going to happen. They're going to go back and get building. Verse 7 of Zechariah 10. And they of Ephraim shall be like a mighty man. So they of Ephraim, you think this is Joseph, Israel, Joseph, Ephraim. 
the scattered tribes. They shall be like a mighty man. So who's already been described as being like a mighty man? Verse five. In verse five, who was it? It was Judah, the Jews in the land. But now this is Ephraim, Joseph, Israel. They will be like a mighty man. So the, the blessings that we just saw of Judah, you're going to have that. The scattered outcasts of Israel. Their heart shall rejoice us through wine. Yea, their children shall see it and be glad. Their heart shall rejoice in the Lord. They're going to be so glad to be able to join this, this national effort in joining with the Lord Jesus Christ, in recognizing him as their king. Their children have the blessings associated with being a Jew as they come back to the land. And so, verse 8, I will hiss for them and gather them, for I've redeemed them, and they shall increase as they have increased. So th this is the picture now, isn't it, of the, 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 the mighty men of Ephraim. Let me give you some references. So, so a reference of verse 7, Psalm 110 is um, a great reference. So just come to Psalm 110. This is uh, my dad's favourite psalm, I think, or might be one of his favourite, I think it perhaps is his favourite um, psalm or even chapter in the Bible. So Psalm 110, great chapter, isn't it? great psalm on which scripture pivots. And we see in verse 2, um, the Lord shall send the rod of thy strength out of Zion. So the Lord shall send the rod of thy strength out of Zion. Now, I don't know if you've still got your marker in Micah 7. But Micah 7, verse 14, feed thy people with thy rod, the flock of thine heritage. The Lord shall send the rod. Now, the, the word rod in the Hebrew is the word tribe. The Lord shall send the tribes of thy strength out of Zion. So who are the tribes? The tribes of Israel, right? Rule in the midst of thine enemies. So, so the Lord Jesus Christ, the saints, and now the Jewish people are going to be the rulers. Rule. Remember what we've seen. They're going to be the rulers. Out of him, every ruler together. The end of verse 4 of Zechariah 10. Verse 3 of Psalm 110. Thy people, the, the tribes, the Jews, shall be willing in the day of thy power. Isn't it gorgeous that, that, that there's this desire to be there, to want to work with the Lord Jesus Christ? Verse 5, the Lord at thy right hand shall strike through kings in the day of his wrath. He'll judge, judge among the heathen. He'll fill the place with dead bodies. He'll wound the heads over many countries. He'll drink of the brook in the way. Therefore shall he lift up the head. It's the picture of the Lord Jesus Christ, the saints and the Jewish people, bringing order to the world through sound rulership that, they, that the Jewish people are very much a part of now they're brought back into the land aren't they um i'll hiss for them and gather them first eight um of chapter 10 that uh, they've increased as they have and they shall increase as they have increased now what does that mean they shall increase as they have increased well they have increased already because how long have they been back in the land what year do they go back 48 well, there are now millions of Jews in the land. They shall increase as they have increased. So do you see? 
that, that the population is going to keep growing. So, so you can make a note of Ezekiel 36, where in Ezekiel 36, we read the ancient prophecy two and a half thousand years or so ago of the fact that Jews would come back to the land and they would increase. So Ezekiel 36, verse 8, O mountain of Israel, you shall shoot forth your branches and yield your fruit to my people of Israel. They're at hand to come. I'm for you. I'll turn unto you. You'll be tilled and sown. I'll multiply men on you. All the house of Israel, even all the cities will be inhabited. The waste will be built. I'll multiply on you, man and beast. This is why Brother Thomas knew that there would be a partial restoration of the Jews before the Lord Jesus Christ comes back. This is they have increased at the end of verse eight, but they shall increase. There's going to be more because those outside the land are going to come and uh, join the efforts and they're going to keep growing in the land. But what do we notice now? Yes, there's inc this increase in the land, but they're going to be needed because they are going to be used as the rulers. So, verse 9, I will sow them among the people, and they will remember me in far countries, and they shall live with their children and turn again. Now, there's several things we want to pick up on here. First, that they're going to live with their children and turn again. So this is this repentant people. And the language we see here, this of the children and being turned again, we see at the end of Malachi, and I'm sure that um, when Brother John takes us through Malachi, uh, God willing, in, in a couple of months' time, we'll, uh, he'll, he'll pick this out with us. But in, in the end of Malachi 4, where we read of the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, he says, behold, and this is going to happen for the natural Israel first. They're going to go first to Judah so I, I believe that Elijah will first go to the tents of Judah before he goes to those scattered Jews. Behold, I'll send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. So first he's going to go to those in Judah, but then the Lord Jesus Christ will go to them too. And then Elijah's work will go out to scattered Israel. And he'll turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. And so Elijah's work is going to be to, to bring those that have been scattered across the world eventually back to the land. And so verse 10 of Zechariah 10, I will bring them also out of the land of Egypt and gather them out of Assyria. So remember what we read in Micah 7? That day they shall come from Assyria and from the cities of Egypt. Yeah, so it's the same territory, the territory to the south, Egypt of Israel, to the north of, the, the, of Israel, the Assyrians. And, and I'll bring them into the land of Gilead and Lebanon and place shall not be found for them. Now, where is Lebanon in relation to Israel? North, yeah. Think of uh, Lebanon today. It, it's to the north of Israel. Now, just remember that. So that makes sense. The people coming from Assyria, they're going to come through Lebanon. Yeah, are we happy with that? What's that? 
Beck says it was 50-50. Well, she got it right. So, 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 yeah, they're coming from Assyria. And to get down from Assyria down into Israel, you're going to go through where? You're going to go through Lebanon. Okay. And we're also told into the land of Gilead. Now, any ideas where Gilead is of Israel? Beck said south. It's not actually, it's, uh, but I can understand why I feel like I set you up to say it almost. But no, it's not, it's not to the south. Gilead, if you look at a map in the back of your Bibles, apologies, perhaps I ought to have put a, a map on the screen here. Apologies. But Gilead is to the east of the River Jordan. So it's actually to the east of the land. All right, so you, you, you see Gilead, it's below Galilee. Can, you might see somewhere like Jabesh Gilead to the east of Galilee, south, to, rather to the east of the Jordan, south of Galilee. Okay, so we come across in the scripture Ramoth Gilead, Jabesh, Jabesh Gilead. Okay, now just notice where gilead is quite close to so if you're in have you found in your bible jabesh gilead or ramoth gilead come and have a look at my bible then Beth. i'll show you here so can you see here jabesh gilead yeah, yeah. ramoth gilead and this territory is close to where Bashan. all right now go back to micah 7 what do we read in Micah 7? Feed thy people, verse 14, feed thy people with the rod, with thy rod, the flock of thine heritage, which dwell solitarily in the wood, in the midst of Carmel. Let them feed in Bashan and Gilead, as in the days of old. Now, this is where the flocks were fed, you know, clearly in these territories. In let them feed in Bashan and in Gilead. Okay, now Micah 7 goes on to say, according to the days of thy coming out of the land of Egypt, will I show the marvellous things before the nations become confounded. Now, when the Jews came out of Egypt, did they just go straight into the south of Israel? When, they, when, when the children of Israel left Egypt, they went through the wilderness. Did they just go straight up to the south? of? They went round to the east and they went right up to deal with the giants and the first giant they dealt with was og king of bashan so on the way to the land to the promised land they had to deal with the giants of ba og king of bashan all right before the flock of israel was able to go into the promised land so Let's now see if we can pull these things together. What we see both in Micah 7 and in Zechariah chapter 10 is, I'll bring them again, Zechariah 10 and verse 10, out of the land of Egypt and gather them out of Assyria. Now, on the way down through Assyria, we come through Lebanon. Verse 10, I'll bring them into the land of Gilead and Lebanon. But when the children of Israel came out of Egypt, they first went to Bashan, which is where Gilead is. So do you see that Micah 7 and Zechariah 10 can't 
uh, go together. Now, in Micah t- 7 and verse 14, you've got one more place mentioned. You've got Bashan and Gilead, but we're also told that they'll dwell in the midst of where? Micah 7 and verse 14. The flock are going to be fed. They're, they're being regathered. They're going to be fed. They're going to be looked after. They're being regathered in the midst of where? Carmel. Now, you've got to start to put all this together. Whose work is the regathering of Israel? Elijah. Elijah. Can you think of somewhere where Elijah brought judgment onto Israel? Mount Carmel. So practically what's happening is that as the Jews are coming back to the land, it's not simply good enough that if you've got the the right of the birthright, that you can come into the land. No, no, no. You've got to spiritually be a Jew. You, it, this isn't simply by right that because you're a Jew, you can come into to the land of promise where the Lord Jesus Christ is set up as the ruler in Zion. No, you've got to accept him as your king. And there's a refining process. Now, that refining process is shown us in Jeremiah chapter 3. So just come to Jeremiah 3. So it's Elijah that's doing the work. Now, where is Elijah from? Go go on. Go to 1 Kings. I'm going to Jeremiah 3. Go on, Bet. You go to 1 Kings 17. All these places are Elijah places. 1 Kings 17, verse 1. He's from Gilead. Now, now go to verse 7 or 6 or 7 of 1 Kings 17, Beck. Where did Elijah have to run to? Uh, I may be wrong. Verse 6 or 7 of 1 Kings 17? Um, uh, Let me get there. I'm probably giving you the... Zarephath of... Zidon. Zidon. Now, where's Zidon? Think Tyre and Zidon. Where are they? Are they north of Israel or south? North. Northwest. Excellent, Beck. Tyre and Zidon on the coasts. Yeah. Tyre and Zidon. They are the territory of Lebanon. All right. So when in Zechariah 10, we're reading of them being brought out of Egypt, out of Assyria. That's them coming in from the north, from the south. They're coming into the Elijah territories. They're going to be, before the flock is able to come into Israel, there's a refining process, as it were, in Gilead, in Bashan, in Lebanon. And what's happening there? Well, come to Jeremiah 3. And uh, let's let's uh, go in to just see how strong this link is. Verse 14, turn, O backsliding children, saith the Lord. I'm married unto you, and I'll take you one of a city, two of a family. I'll bring you to Zion. I'll give you pastors or shepherds according to my heart, which will feed you with knowledge and understanding. So they're going to be they're going to be taught. And and what do we see, uh, verse 18? In those days, the house of Judah shall walk with the house of Israel. 
and they shall come together out of the land of the north to the land that I've given for an inheritance to your fathers. So do you see? Another really important reference in us understanding this is Ezekiel chapter 20. So come to Ezekiel 20. And um, we sometimes refer to this as the wilderness of the people, where the, the people, just as when they left Egypt, they were in the wilderness. There's a wilderness um, type that happens now that the Jews need to accept the Lord Jesus Christ and his rulership before they're able to be part of the, the, the kingdom age. Now, of course, those in the land, they've quickly recognized him whom they've pierced and mourned for him. But they've had to be saved from the Gogan invader. But these are now people wanting to come back to the land, but you can't just come back because you just want to come and join in because it looks like something to do or because of the fact that you don't like where you're currently living. Or because of the fact you just happen to think that you might be able to, you know, get some, get there seem to be blessings attached to this place. No, you've got to believe the truth. What's Jerusalem called? Zechariah chapter eight, the city of truth, the city of truth. Okay, so Ezekiel 20, I hope you're here. And what do we read? Uh, Verse 33. As I live, said the Lord God, surely with a mighty hand, with a stretched out arm, with fury poured out, will I rule over you. I will bring you from the people. I'll gather you out of the countries wherein you've been scattered with a mighty hand, with a stretched out arm, with fury poured out. I'll bring you into the wilderness of the people. Where's the wilderness of the people? In the likes of Gilead, Basham, in the likes of Lebanon. There will I plead with you face to face. Now, uh, Pleading face to face. Who did some pleading face to face? Yeah, yes, I'm sure most did. Elijah, yeah. That uh, um, that, that, that this this amazing character on Mount Carmel. There will I plead with you face to face, like as I pleaded with our fathers in the wilderness of the land of Egypt. So will I plead with you, saith the Lord God. And I will cause you to pass under the rod. And I will bring you into the bond of the covenant. I will purge out from among you the rebels and them that transgress against me. And I'll bring them forth out of the country which they sojourn. And they shall not enter into the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord. As for you, O house of Israel, thus saith the Lord God. Go, you serve, ye every one is idols, and hereafter also, if you will not hearken to me, but pollute you my holy name no more with your gifts and with your idols. And so there's this complete change, isn't there, of the people. Isn't it just a stunning picture that's set out? And all of that is in Zechariah 10, verses 8, 9, and 10. And so we see, we'll bring our thoughts together. Come back to Zechariah 10 and verse 11. He shall pass through the sea with affliction and shall smite the waves in the sea, and the deeps of the river. Now, the river, the revised version describes as the Nile. The deeps of the Nile shall dry up, and the pride of Assyria shall be brought down, and the scepter of Egypt shall depart away. So the pride of Assyria, this is Gog now, that's going to be brought down. The scepter of Egypt, that the rulership in Egypt will be gone. The Lord Jesus Christ is going to be the ruler. Now, good reference uh, here. He'll smite through the sea with affliction. Isaiah 11 
and verse 15. Let's just go back to Isaiah 11, uh, where we see that the Lord shall utterly destroy the tongue of the Egyptian sea, and with the mighty wind shall he shake his hand over the river and shall smite it into seven streams. So the Nile, I think, would be smitten, and in the same way that the earthquake that's going to come and cause the devastation of Armageddon, we'll get to when we get to chapter 14, it's going to split right down to the Nile Valley. And as it goes down to the Nile Delta, so the, the course of the Nile will be changed. And instead of just having one sort of fertile section of Egypt, the seven streams will run through the land. Uh, and, and of course, um, as a result, what we see is um, uh, men will be able to go over dry shot. They'll be able to go through that place. Um, it won't be as the Nile is today. And there shall be a highway for the remnant of his people, which shall be left from Assyria, like as it was to Israel in the day that he came up out of the land of Egypt. So do you keep seeing that we keep reading of uh, the, the, the place of Assyria in the north and Egypt in the south, the highway that the Jews are going to be able to come and return uh, on as they come back to the land. And, and another um, Good reference uh, here is Isaiah 27. Just come to Isaiah 27, only one verse, verse 13, where we read, It shall come to pass in that day that the great trumpet shall be blown. This is the hissing of the people. Where they're, 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 we, we read in Zechariah 10 and verse 8, I will hiss for them and gather them. The trumpet will be blown and they will come, which were ready to perish in the land of Assyria and the outcast in the land of Egypt, and they shall worship the Lord in the holy mount of jerusalem and so finally back to zechariah 10 verse 12 i will strengthen them in the lord so not only look at verse 6 i will strengthen the house of judah he's going to strengthen also those of ephraim they also are going to become the mighty men those who've been scattered and never regathered they're going to come back when they come back, they're going to be given places of rulership all across the world. And, and how will that work? I will strengthen the Lord. They shall walk up and down, verse 12, in his name, saith the Lord. Have you got a, this is going to be our last reference. Have you got a reference in verse 12 uh, where it says they shall walk up and down in his name? Genesis 5. Genesis 5. That's not the one I wanted. So we're going to come to Micah. Come to Micah 4. Sorry, Beck. Genesis 5 is a good one, isn't it, of, of the, uh, them walking up and down in, in God's name. But Micah 4 is a kingdom picture. And we've been here already in our studies where we've seen the, the word of God going out of Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. This is the, the rain coming down. He'll judge the people, verse 3, he'll rebuke strong nations afar off. We, we see the change in the nations and the people as they beat their swords into plowshares, their spears into pruning hooks. We see a state of peace developing in the world, verse 4. They shall sit every man under his vine, under his fig tree. None shall make them afraid. The mouth the Lord of hosts has spoken it. Now look at this, verse 5. For all the people will walk, everyone in the name of his God, and we will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. What, what does that mean? Well, all the people will walk, everyone in the name of his God. That's the word Elohim. Will walk in the name of his Elohim 
And we will all walk in the name of Yahweh, our Elohim, forever and ever. So I think the picture is that as we have been made like the Elohim, as we, the saints, so as the Jews are scattered this time, they're sown, not scattered, they're sown across the world to be rulers that are going to be helpful to the people, that people are going to want to grab hold of the skirt of Jews to go with them to Jerusalem. So we are, as the faithful and, and as those who've become immortal, we're going to be sown across the world. Some given one city, some given five cities, some given ten cities. And we'll be there as the immortal, like the angels in our lives. I think the difference is, is that, that I don't think we'll simply be an invisible presence, as it were. We'll be much more visible presence in supporting the Jews as the rulers, the mortal rulers in their, uh, across the world, but, but also as uh, supporting in teaching the people and bringing them to the knowledge of God. And so all the people will walk everyone in the name of his Elohim. That could well be us. And we will all walk in the name of Yahweh, our Elohim, forever and ever. And so I think that's the final picture of Zechariah 10, where I will strengthen them in the Lord. They shall walk up and down in his name, saith the Lord. So what an exciting, and remarkable chapter about the, the gathering of scattered Israel, about the saving of the Jews uh, in the land and of the blessings that will come when the, the shower of God's word is able to water the earth and bring grass in the field. Thank you for joining us. We hope you found the episode helpful. Don't forget, most of these episodes are also available as videos on our video channel, cdvideo.org. So head over and take a look. If you have any comments or questions or suggestions, please get in touch or leave us a voice message. We love to hear your feedback. You can email us at bt f at cdvideo.org if you enjoyed the episode then please share it with others until next time may god bless you in your studies and your walk towards god's kingdom amen